Alright. <clears throat> Good evening, everybody. It is 6.56 p.m. on the East Coast. We are here in New York. And it is creeping toward that time of night. That's right, 7 o'clock is the official start, but I like going live a couple minutes early to make sure that all the tech doesn't go crazy. Also that I start recording. <sighs> Gotta record over here now, and I always forget to record. Well, anyway, I just did again. So, any well, uh, I have some great stuff to talk about tonight. It's just you and I. It was going to be a shorter show because Tuesday night is band practice. Well, that is still going to be the case, but we've just gained another 40 minutes. So instead of getting off at 8, we'll be getting off around 8.30, which means that we'll be bouncing off uh, to, to uh, Pilled and, quite frankly, .tv at 7.45. So split the difference there. And we've got tons to talk about. And tonight, I want to get your Super Chats and your calls in on the, t on the subject matter. Now we have two main topics. The first topic is going to be about these, uh, about the, the constant forecasting of terroristic doom that is coming our way. Of course, we had this crazy uh, house explosion in Arlington, Virginia. A, uh, the guy is, he's a, I guess he's Chinese, Asian, Oriental, whatever you want to say. And, um, there's some information about him coming out and it's been a really crazy day of updates and all that stuff. They thought that he was at one point, they thought that he was still alive and posting on, on YouTube and saying that, no, 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 I'm alive. And you know, the house was blown up because I know things that they don't want getting out. And now we just got word from local police out there that they found human remains inside. That was the guy. And he was, posting crazy the last couple of days a rabid leftist loves noam chomsky and all that stuff it, it's crazy but that goes hand in hand with so many other things chris ray we're going to listen to him tonight real quick talk about how never in his career has he ever seen so many different terroristic th threats from all from all directions be at their peak all at the same time this is on top of all the syndemics we have to look out for next year Syndemics and terrorism from all, all stripes, and that, that includes coming from the inside the military. That's right. That's right. Inside the military, Vice did a little something uh, digging into the, uh, <laughs> the, the extremists in the military that have been getting rooted out. So it's just when you can spot a pattern, it makes all this a lot easier. But um, I guess easier for you. Try convey this to people that it's all uh, choreographed like a bad Broadway play, and uh, and then of course it's it's not as easy anymore. That's when you realize ignorance is bliss. But is ignorance bliss when the only thing that you're becoming ignorant to these days is the reason why things aren't blissful anymore? You know. So you can't even say ignorance is bliss because it's just it's just you're you're dealing with one tragedy, one manufactured tragedy after another with little understanding of the root cause. So you you truly are just in a uh 
in like a, uh, you know, a, a, a crazy funhouse ride and I don't know. Ignorance is not bliss anymore. I guess that's the point of what I'm trying to say. We're going to talk about that. That'll be quick up front and hopefully that'll bring on some, uh, that'll inspire some of you to call in with your thoughts. But then I have to read, I want to read an article with you. At least pieces of an article because I saw this study come out not too long ago about how Gen Z was, and there was a significant sample size that they were expressing that in the movies and the television that they're watching, they want to see more friendships, more platonic relationships. They want to see less sex scenes injected into everything. They wanted to see more stories about friendship. And of course, this has all of the Gen X and, um, I mean, every sex addict out there that's the, that's a, a culture critic is freaking out because they thought that people would only want more and more of the thing that they can't stop slurping up and, uh, and they can't, and they, and they're starting to call Gen Z prude and really wigging out and really, uh, weird ways, really, uh, I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I want to read through that a little bit more because I have other questions that I want to pose the audience. So it's going to be a little bit of culture, a little bit of a little bit of um, terror forecasting news as we are now approaching the threshold of 2024. You know, that's what they're setting us all up for, right? It's a multi-layered shit cake. Terrorism, syndemics, uh, financial who knows? It's like spin the wheel at this point. What are we going to get with the financial, with the economic uh, situation? What are you going to get? You have uh, Jamie Dimon of C, uh, at uh, at Chase and other people pretty much blaming inflation on us and all of the COVID measures as if five to seven trillion dollars was even the real issue. Seriously. I mean, that was horrible, horrible. But as but when you're talking about a an economy that has been soaked, people who have been soaked to the uh, to the point of thirty four trillion dollars worth of fiscal operating debt, oh man, what the hell is even five to seven trillion? When you start talking about figures in the trillions that are drops in the bucket, come on now. So uh, we got to see. Got to see what goes on with that and the wars. On Friday, we're going to have, I think, just as a 15-minute stop by, Tony Arterburn from Wise Wolf Gold and Silver from QuiteFrankly.Gold. He's going to call in because he just wants to talk about some things he's seeing from his vantage point. Gold is at an all-time high, so I said, you, you want to call in tonight? I want him to call in tonight, but he's on the road. He said the uh, audio would be bad. So he's going to call in on the opening, the opening of Friday night. Before Matt and I go and take you to Pound Town. All right. Well, that's that. Oh, you hear how that music stopped <laughs> right on the Pound Town comment? Oh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that's what we have for you tonight, December 5th, 2023. In the second half, no matter how much time we have, uh, how much time we're able to spend on those topics in the first half, and hopefully some of your calls, I really hope that you all follow us over to watch the stream on thepilled.net 
uh, link that we have there or quite frankly TV. It's all the same thing. And I hope that you follow us over because I really want to take more of your calls on this tonight, especially on television, especially on how it's all changed in your respect, especially if you've been watching TV since the 60s, 70s and 80s. But especially the 60s and 70s. So I got a lot of thoughts to to throw together tonight. And it's going to be a little bit more of a of a of a culture thought. Here's another thing for you. I was talking uh, about this with uh, one of our producers tonight, Krista, and we're going to get a, a a picture of this out there of hanging stockings by the fireplace. Where do you in what direction? Do you prefer the stockings be hung? Do the stockings usually point to the left? Do they point it to the right? Do you have them mixed up? I gotta say, I went to go look at our three stockings today. I said, how, how is, how, because our stockings are already up. And I think two of them, the outside ones point to the left and the middle one pointed to the right. I said, ooh, what the hell does this mean? And then I started thinking, am I, is my OCD gonna go crazy with this? And I, it, I have to go check at home. It might be because a lot of these stockings now have a design only on one side. It would be stupid to f- have it face the opposite way if there's a design, you know. Anyway, so you can let me know about that. You can call in about that. You can write in. I'm going to, we're going to put a, a picture out on Twitter and elsewhere to see how other people feel about it. And we'll report back on the findings soon. All right. So that's that. Tomorrow's a big night with Ben Davidson, followed by another big night with Ashton Forbes, the Malaysian Flight 370 mystery. Uh, And there you have it. I was on with BCP today with James, black conservative patriot. It's so nice calling him James now. I told him on the show today, you have no clue how tiring it is to call somebody black conservative patriot, James. You have no no clue. So he has that uploaded to all of his his podcasts, and I think Rumble as well. So we were checking, we were chilling with each other. And it was a really nice time. And he'll be on, he's actually going to be on the first episode of the new year on January 2nd. So look out for that. All right, into the grab bag we go. Into the grab bag. Let's go to the New York Post. And there is John Kerry. What about John Kerry? Well, apparently a loud fart. Did you hear about this? A loud farting sound. That's what happened with John Kerry as he's talking about climate change nonsense. Uh, He's out there pounding the pavement with the rest of his uh, con artist buddies. And he has said, well, well, you'll see what he was saying. Hold on. Take a listen to this. And here's the whole theory that that it was him farting. And I can hear, I can hear something happening around... It's like the second half of this. It's a 33-second clip. But look at the woman next to him who almost like recoils a little bit. She hears it. Now, unless it's it's the PA guy that's farting into his own microphone and she hears it just coming through the speakers or her monitor or whatever is going on, just watch this little exchange here. And the reality is that we're not doing it. So, um, you know, the measure here is, is really... Uh, sounding the alarm bell. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. And and the reality is that um, the climate crisis... <laughs> okay, did you hear it? Now, she did, it wasn't a recoil. She just... But she 
reacted quickly. She touched her nose, then she went back. Did I hear what I just heard? That's what I see. Now, I don't, I don't think that this is, is doctored in any way. So he says he's getting very militant now about the climate because the adults in the room aren't doing anything about it. He got so militant that he started passing gas. Watch her reaction. You'll hear the plump, like a little, little duck, little duck quack. On a daily basis. Oh, here. And, and the reality Watch is her. that um, the climate <laughs> crisis and the health crisis are one and the same. Yes, I know. The climate is affecting your bowels, Mr. Carey, you freak. Get the hell out of here with your stupid mashed potato face. Who the hell leaves the house looking like him? Who? Why? Why wasn't anybody told? (sighs) Can't take it anymore. Can you take it anymore? (laughs) I can't. All right. Here's another one for you. So John Kerry is crying and farting about the climate. And then if you you go over to North Korea and Kim Jong-un is crying in front of thousands of Korean women that he calls on to have more children to halt the country's falling birth rate. North Korea dictator Kim Jong-un cried as he called on women to have more children, says that it was their duty to halt the country's declining birth rate or to strengthen national power. Let's hear him cry. Hold on a second. Wait a second. Let's see. Did you get that? Is he going to speak? What the hell's going on? That's not him, by the way. Look, he wants that woman right there to have children. Her right there. They're all crying. They're all crying. What is he reading? What is this? I'm sorry. I should have looked. I should have. I thought it was just going to be him saying something and crying in the middle of it. I should have looked at the the media beforehand. He's just reading something quietly, and there's a foreign voice, another voice, a disembodied voice somewhere else speaking, and everybody's weeping. What the fuck? That was weird. But I guess living in North Korea is weird. All right, uh, then back to the new... Uh, the, the, I'm going to... This is just as... Uh, just as enthralling as North Korean television. Democrat Jasmine Crockett calls Texas and Florida deplorable states. I think she's talking about the Heritage Foundation or something. Here's 17 seconds you're going to wish you had back. In fact, Ms. Perry, I know your organization, the Heritage Foundation, loves Texas. Ooh, they love Texas. They always sending us some nonsense bills um, that somehow set this country on the wrong trajectory. They send them to Texas. They send them to Florida. Mm. Every deplorable state that we can think about, they usually come in out of y'all's think tank. In oh, fact, yeah, Ms. Yeah, think tank. Yeah, what a very articulate 
representative she is. Very, really great. Wow. Anywho, that's uh, that's what I have. Oh, one more thing. A diver hit a jackpot. Hits the jackpot. There's so many billions of dollars worth of great things in the bottom of the ocean. And I'll tell you, if you have the will and the way, just go and hang out on the bottom of the ocean floor near off the coast of Florida, and you can probably build yourself up a nice little nest egg for retirement. A diver hits the jackpot and finds $300,000 worth of coins in the wreckage of an ancient ship off the Florida coast. A diver's luck, lucky trip with his family, and this is another I should talk to Tony Arterburn about this because uh, he found gold, I think, this guy. A lucky trip with his family led to the discovery of a timeless, priceless religious artifact and heaps of gold hidden among the wreckage of an ancient ship off the coast of Florida. Eric Schmidt is a professional treasure hunter who has devoted his... We gotta talk to a treasure hunter in 2024. Who has devoted his life to exploring the deep sea and investigating shipwrecks and other historical sites in search of knowledge and treasures that he can sell for profit. On one memorable trip in 2014, he came across a pendant known as a pix. It is a small container used by priests and passed to do during communions. In ABC News reported, made of pure gold, the artifact is priceless. It was the missing piece to a previously salvaged necklace that was recovered from the same wreck in 1989, according to Queen's Jewels Operator Manager Brent Brisbane, Brisbane, who has worked with Schmidt and his family before. Well, now, now he has gone and he has found $300,000 worth of gold coins on top of all that stuff. And and his, his resume is pretty incredible because in 2015, he discovered an additional 52 gold coins worth over $1 million from the same wreckage. At just 14 years old, he found an incredible silver platter, Brisbane said. It seems treasure hunting and success and finding trinkets run in the Schmidt family bloodline. So, geez, if you got a little bit extra time and you know how to scuba dive, go hang out under the water in Florida. You just don't know what's going on there. You just don't know what's under your your deck. I was gonna say under your feet. Well, I guess it's always under your feet in some way or another. But uh, that's all we have for you in the opening. It's a little bit of a little, little bit of a longer opening because we don't have any guests tonight. We're just going to do some conversational pieces. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Thank you so much for everything. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride!
And I know what some of you are thinking too. If you if you stumble upon a big heap of gold somewhere, are you going to report it to anybody? Are you going to even tell your your close? I mean, maybe your closest friends. But if you found something like that, what would you do? Seriously, if you found something, let's say a heap of like fifty-two gold coins under the water. Now, if it's an artifact. If it's an artifact, if you know that this has historical significance and the only way that you're going to get any any kind of benefit from it is to bring it to a proper authority and seek retribution, seek some kind of a compensation for it, that's something else. But if you if you stumbled upon jewelry, uh, emeralds, gold pieces, gold bars, gold chains, whatever the hell it was, if you did your work, if you or if it's just dumb luck. Let's say it's just dumb luck too that you're out there and you're doing some scuba diving and you're just seeing seeing some sightseeing and whatever and you go to a a uh, a wreck that you find 50 feet below the the surface or whatever. And whereas many people have kicked around the dirt in the past, you just kicked in the right spot and you found something that is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars maybe. We don't have to go too crazy. What do you do? Okay? Cuz you can only stack so much. You know what I would do? I would take, you know, one at a time, a couple of like couple at a time, and I would just go and actually I don't, I don't know what I would do. I know that trading in gold, especially of historic value, for fiat is silly in itself. So if you're going to do that, it has to be temporary to do something else. Now, if you go and you you, not not pawn, but if you got to go to a reputable gold dealer, someone you trust that can give you close to market value. So right now we're like twenty one hundred dollars an ounce for gold. If you go there and you can get two thousand dollars a coin or something like that, and you you yeah, little by little you have yourself a nice little stack of cash. You have to go then and turn it into something physical that is that's lasting that you can actually use. Land, that's the big one. I'd say, how can I turn this gold into land? Because at some point, if you're making a land purchase, you're going to have to, I mean, that that show that's an expense that needs to have some kind of correlating income, no? So don't you have to report it? I guess the th- one thing you don't have to report is the gold itself. If you go and turn the gold into cash and then you, does anybody out there know what you would have to do tax-wise if you went and found treasure? and you slowly turned it into cash and then bought land with it? Can, can you get audited if all of a sudden you just show up to a, a you know, a land dealer and say, hey, I would like to, uh, I wanna take this uh, 150 acres off your, off your hands and here is cash. What, can, are you subject to an audit at some point? Like what can you, what can you do with this money? What would you do? So, uh, at the very least, send me some emails about your very airtight strategy of what you would do with this, and hopefully we get some calls in as well. Let's get through the terrorism part real quick so we can get to the fun stuff, which is your treasure calls and, of course, Gen Z saying no thanks to the constant rim-jobbing on television. Here's the first one up. Very creepy backstory. Massive explosion destroys home in Arlington, Virginia neighborhood. Police, this is now just the last couple of hours, they've reported that one 56-year-old James Yu 
died in the explosion of a duplex uh, located at 844 North Burlington Street in Bluemont, neighborhood of Arlington County, Virginia. All right. The, they said that they are aware of concerning social media posts made by you. We'll talk about those posts in just a second. On Monday night, a home spontaneously exploded in Arlington, Virginia neighborhood. Police were initially called to the home after neighbors reported someone firing a flare gun. Video journalist Nick Sorter posted on X a breakdown of what happened. He said at around 4.45 p.m. Tuesday, Arlington County Virginia Police, uh, uh, Virginia Police were called to report a possible shots fired. Once officers got to the scene, they became aware that a man inside the home had fired a flare gun out the window 30 or 40 times. The owner of the home, James Yu, uh, had barricaded himself inside, refused to make contact with police. As a result, they obtained a search warrant, and while attempting to execute it, the suspect fired multiple shots at the officers from inside the home. I don't know if that was with a flare gun or something else. And then at 845, an explosion occurred, leveling the entire property. And here's the video that you probably have seen that was posted all over the place. Watch. I mean, the house is gone. House is gone. Let's watch that again. So Arlington County Police spokesperson Ashley Savage told NBC News that the officials had yet to confirm whether there are any deaths. But now, a couple of hours ago, they said that there are human remains inside that belong to you himself. I don't know what it was. Maybe they found a face, uh, a tattoo, something. That's pretty incredible. Now, if you ask me what happened, they didn't say anything about explosives, so it make it makes me think that it was a uh, a gas fire, and perhaps he used one of the flares to 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 light it all off. But uh, this guy Sorter revealed that there was more on this guy you. He said he was far leftist, posted a lot of anti-white stuff. He accuses neighbors of being spies on social media just a few days ago. He had a previous encounter with the FBI. He filed countless frivolous lawsuits against his own sister and his wife. And he was the former head of global security at U.S. government's Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. So that's something. I guess you can call him semi-homegrown. Um... And, uh, and yeah, so, so there's a little bit on that. Now, let's go on over to Christopher Ray. Take a listen to this. So what I would say that is unique about the environment that we're in right now in my career is that while there may have been times over the years where individual threats could have been higher here or there than where they might be right now, I've never seen a time where all the threats or so many of the threats are all elevated all at exactly the same time. Mm. That's what makes this environment that we're in now so fraught and why funding our men and women who are working shoulder to shoulder with state and local law enforcement and other partners every day makes it even more important, not less. So blinking red lights analogy about 9-11, all the lights were blinking red before 9-11. Apparently, obviously, all of us missed it. Would you say that? (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that this was Lindsey Graham doing this. Yes, obviously, we all missed the blinking red lights before 9-11, Lindsey. That's very obvious. So Christopher Ray, ladies and gentlemen, uh, all at once. 
I just don't. Uh, you take that for what it is. Then you put this on top of what Vice, the joke that Vice is. Threw this out there. Probably they're probably on the on the uh, the payroll. Pentagon has investigated dozens of extremism cases within its ranks. Here's just a little couple of couple of things for you. The Pentagon has investigated 183 instances of extremism in military ranks, according to a new report, including 78 cases of troops, quote, advocating for or engaging in or supporting the overthrow of the United States government or seeking to alter the form of government by unconstitutional or otherwise unlawful means, which I mean, I what do you want me to say to that? There's nothing more American than the idea that government can and should be uprooted and replaced when it no longer serves the people, when it no longer is a servant to its people. Um, but of course, which government would ever agree that it's the bad guy and should be restored to its original and uh, its original form, size, and its original mandate? Which is really the issue here, okay? They wanted to make sure that the overwhelming majority of our armed forces are fiercely loyal to the breakaway nation that has replaced the old republic, the ruins of the old republic. Okay, they want make sure they want to make sure that everybody that is serving in the United States armed forces sees every desert war and every domestic lockdown as necessary and patriotic. That's what they want. Now, I doubt very much that we have a white supremacy problem. Because that's what they're talking about in here. They say, um, well, let me see. The problem of extremism in the, in the military is pernicious to the troops, and it's obvious. A 2020 Military Times poll surveyed 1,630 active duty subscribers, and they found that the, uh, the third of them had witnessed signs of white nationalism and racism among their fellow troops. So it's obvious that racism only means damned white people. So that's, this is just what, I I guess that's just what it is. It's just a euphemism. That's just a euphemism. Now, what does that really mean? Because it's not a white supremacy problem. The euphemism is for American patriot, because as we all know, that black American patriots are called white supremacists by these freaks as well. So that's just really what we're dealing with here. And so they, Vice has got that covered. The DOJ, uh, the DOD is very, very upset and taking the matters of extremism in the army very seriously. They want to make sure that all that is cleaned out. The FBI sees extremism across the civilian plane as up in every category all at once, which is unique, unique in the age of terror. Okay, it's usually one at a time. Now it's everybody all at once. Could be anybody. And then all of our friends in white coats all over the country from the universities uh, are saying that we have a syndemic, a synthesis of pathogens that are coming for us in the winter and the months ahead, which of course means election year. <laughs> so just take it, take it for what it is. You know what I mean? All right. Well, uh, we are going to take a uh, a really quick break and um, and come back to do this. That's what we're going to do. All right. Don't go anywhere. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy 
that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. You're listening, quite frankly. Okay, so we have a little bit of an update over here. It seems that we are doing the full two hours together. Band practice just got canceled. And so I'm not going to be getting off at 7.45 across all this. We're going to do another half hour. At 8 o'clock, we will then bounce off to quitefrankly.tv and pill.net, all those links provided to below. So that means for the next half hour, I'd like to mix in some calls. And maybe in about 15 minutes, I'm going to start bringing up the, uh, the the Gen Z thing. So here's what we're going to do. I'm throwing open the lines. The general line is 914-200-0269. I already asked you what the hell you would do if you found treasure. I'm looking for advice because I, what, what do you do? Obviously, it's... It's not going to serve you very much if you just have a big pile of gold somewhere that you can't go buy anything with it. You're going to have to convert it to something a little bit more tangible, something a little bit more, uh, you know, that you don't have to hide all the time. So why not find a way to turn it into land? From that, that standpoint, that's at least my looking at it. You have to turn that fiat, at least for a while, buy it. And then is there any chance of getting audited? Let's say, how the hell did you get this... Uh, 150 acres with a a fishable stream and all this other shit. You only make, you know, $70,000 a year. Where did you buy this in cash for? Oh, I found treasure off the coast coast of Florida. Like when when the screws get put to you and you say, fine, I, I found treasure. And I pawned off all the gold. They believe, do they believe you? Like what, what do you have to do with that? They're going to, they're going to hit you up big time. Anyway. Let's do that for a little while. That and any kind of thoughts on the terrorism uh, things that we're seeing and uh, and how we're getting set up with that. It really is just open lines for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to get into more cultural cultural themes. All right, first one up. Go ahead. Frankie. Hey, who's this? This is Jack, formerly Jersey, now in Florida. What's going on, Jack, formerly in Jersey, now in the treasure-hunting capital of the world? Yes, and what a topic you brought up. Um, I live right in Port St. Lucie, Port Pierce. Okay. My friend, a very good friend of mine, 
Back in the 80s, his dad invested in Mel Fisher, who, you know, came up with a very big find right off of, you know, Florida and the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when he um, invested, he got his return, and he was like, you know, do you want treasury? Do you want cash? He's like, a little bit, a little bit of both. And my friend still has a bunch of, um, I guess, 1500s pieces of gold, like grade A, beautiful um, pieces. That he never, that he never told him about. Um, his dad left it to him. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, I, what I'll do is I'll email you the pictures and the receipts that came with it. It's pretty crazy. Are they These about? Are worth like are they 15, about twenty grand a piece? Okay, I was going to say because I was going to I was going to just just about to start calculating what that means by modern day melt value if they're anywhere. But they have to be a they must be more than a, a an ounce a piece, and b you ha- you can't. You can't even, uh, I wouldn't know how to account for historical value that adds to the actual melt value. Big time. Big time. Yeah, big time. And it, like you just said, the weight has to be exact, and that's where the receipts come in, which came from the Fisher family. You know what I mean? When they gave it to him, they gave him paperwork with it. My gosh. And also, which is even crazier, a lady, and I'll send you the picture of this too on your email, um, was in Vero Beach, which is about a half an hour north of us. Mm-hmm. After a hurricane, you know, you know erosion in, in, in the Jersey Shore and Long Island. The uh, sand dunes, you know, they start eating away. She sees a piece of gold sticking out. She pulled out a gold cross, probably 12 inches by 12 inches with emeralds. Wow. The whole thing. That's Spanish. I mean, irreplaceable this is for the queen the whole bit you know what i mean that must be that, that, and that she sounds was able spanish to keep it. they they let, they let her keep that yeah they let her keep it but nowadays now when you dive around here they're really pretty strict about like oh well you're in american waters and it's the state of florida and they're getting bad about it like now if you find something you're going to go through hell if to keep it, yeah, well, you, you know, know what? what I mean? Then, then you know what? Then, then go out there and hire your own damn treasure hunters. Don't leave everybody else exactly. alone. Ridiculous. Yep, you're putting all the time and effort into getting it. Usually, it used to be if you can claim the wreck and you can identify the boat or the ship, you get to keep it. Wow. Now you know with the corruption today. You know, it's a whole fucking song and dance. Everybody, party. everybody wants their their palms greased, but that's incredible. So you oh, say you got it. Buddy. So you said you're going to send me some pictures. You said that your friend he it was it was passed down to him fifteen hundred coins. Yeah, fifteen. I think the oldest was like fourteen to fifteen hundred Spanish gold medallions. No, 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 no. I'm talking about quantity, not fifteen hundred. Like. Like how many oh, coins? Yeah, I think he had about like like six or seven of them. Oh, okay. I was gonna say fifteen hundred coins at twenty thousand dollars a piece. I mean, he's oh, the emperor. No, 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 God no. He's the new king. But, I mean, just the, the just what he has is worth a ton. Yeah, I that, can... actually, the Fisher family tried to get him back from him. Yeah, if he had fifteen hundred dollar, if he had fifteen hundred. Gold coins. Oh, forget that, it. That's thirty million dollars with with two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he'd be made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But the Fisher family, I guess after, like, it declined after the father, Mel, died, you know, the sons and daughters were fighting over this and that. And when he, you know, called to, like, verify everything, Mm -hmm. like, to get even more information, they're like, oh, well, that's ours, you know, my dad gave it to you, but he's like, get out of here. My father invested in it. There's no way, you know, screw you. Well, they actually tried to get it back from him. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that that's yeah. that's something that uh, if you have that kind of wealth that that was pulled out of the the ocean, I have to imagine that there's going to be people knocking on your door far longer than they oh, would yeah. they would a, a a lottery winner. But Jack, thank you for the call. Send me anything you can on that because I love this subject. I definitely will, Frank. All right, take care. All right, man. Have a great night, man. You too. That's that's man. Made in the shade. 914-200-0269. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about that. If you have any good stories. I have a, uh, let me see here. Um, yes. Yes, okay. I'm sorry, I'm just getting my, my ducks in a row over here. In the second half of the show, not only are we going to be taking more of your calls, but I had a little bit of this this uh i guess it's a podcast that whitney cummings did with who this with taryn manning from orange is new black very very weird exchange let's take some calls uh first one is from 508 you're on the air go ahead oh hey frank my name's barbara i'm in wilmington delaware hey how are you what's going on barbara how you doing good um, so I was just sitting here watching the show, and you were talking about the guy who found all those gold coins and whatnot, and then yes. you asked the question about if he gets taxed. Yes, no. you do. Okay. I just inherited nine bullion coins, or no, 12, excuse me, 12 bullion coins um, on top of any time you inherit or find something, um, like you sold furniture from the house because mm-hmm. you have to empty out the house and everything. I'm getting taxed on all of it. So you just you everything. Just, so nine bullion gold coins you got. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Twelve. So if you got so you got tw- now how much are they taxing you for that? If you don't mind my um, asking, because it, I don't know yet. Is it so like an- I did a private sale, um, but what they do is you need to show everything that you received. That's what the tax attorney told me. I need to keep receipts of everything that was sold. Um, what I inherited, and then they go through and say, okay, this is worth this much, this is worth this much, and then you pay a percentage, something around 15% tax. Okay. On top of the taxes that you pay for any inherited money and things like that. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it's like it's insane. Because if you got 12, if you got 12 uh, bullion gold coins right now, if, if depend, mm-hmm. depending on, on what price they're going to throw at you, right now that's $2,100 an ounce. You're talking about a little bit over $25,000. So, my so I it, actually, there were special coins. I ended up getting 40000 for them. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, they had some sort of stamp on them that made them special. Man, and so so that's fifteen fifteen percent on top of what, like just a normal estate estate tax kind of thing. Yep, exactly. Oh, now it's here's considered the thing. like money earned. It's part of your money earned for that year for what, this year. What a vultures! What so vultures. I sold like the furniture in the house. We did auctions and everything, and even if you lose money on it, you still get taxed on it. Vultures. So. Let's yes. say, let's just say you save forty thousand dollars. 
obviously you have to email me to let me know what the final bill was. And then, you know, let's say that they actually went and took anywhere near half of that. My question to you is, are you then charged with having to go uh, liquidate the gold and giving them the cash or do they just want half of your gold? No, they just want, they don't want half of the gold. They just want you to pay the money for your taxes. Wow. Okay. So, if I have to cash them in in order to pay my taxes, that's what I have to do. Yeah, I can imagine. And then on top of it, once this all started, now the IRS is um, sending me things. So say, oh, well, 2017, your taxes were wrong. You owe us XYZ amount of money. What? Like, what? Vultures. You're coming after me, you know, five years later? Yep. Vultures. Vultures. Yeah, vultures. Well, well, Barbara, thank you. You, uh, You have to email me. Uh, and, okay. and of course, I, I won't publicize anything you don't want me to, but I'm just curious <laughs> as to what that shakes out with, because I, I know about estate taxes, and wh- this is why people lose the family farm. It gets to the point sometimes where you got to sell yeah. the farm to be able to pay the estate tax. But when it comes to gold, uh, this is something I've never heard about, so I'd like to see you know what that exchange looks like. Yeah. I'll let you know when I do my taxes, uh, probably February or March. All right, man. Oh, I mean, I mean, ma'am. Thank you so much. I'll <laughs> That's okay. T- talk to you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. Oh man. See, you can prepare for a show all you'd like. Then you see a treasure hunting headline and passing, and that becomes the main topic. I mean, the the, 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 the calls are, the line is lighting up. That's what's happening right now. It's lighting up. Nine one four two zero zero. 0269 you let me know what your if you have a personal take on this like it's something that you've actually experienced that that's that's a bonus but uh, anybody can call in on that topic in particular just tell me what your what your um what your approach would be especially what your approach would be to not letting the authorities know okay this is all hypothetical Say Frank Frank has been encouraging people to withhold all of their their discovered treasure from the feds. We have to take him down. Yes. Withhold all of the treasure that you discover from the feds. I'm asking you what you would do to get around that. Let's take a call, 715, you're on the air. Hey, Frank, this is Noel. Noel, what's going on? Hey, I've got a quick uh, treasure story for you. Okay. Um, sometimes I think it's good, and then I hear your other callers and realize how awesome this audience is. Um, but basically, uh, I was I bought a fixer-upper house, and I was working on it in the attic one day, and uh, I found an ammo can in the attic. Oh. And I was intrigued by that because I was taking the tub out a few months before that, and found some old uh, VHS pornography, which was a treasure in of itself. Oh, congratulations. Um, but I found... <laughs> no, you... So, the... So, was that Frank? I, n- nothing. I congratulated you. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. So, I thought I, I found some more uh, antique pornography. Um, and I had a friend of mine over at the time, and he was out hanging out in my backyard. So I run out there with the ammo can, and I'm like, Andrew, I think I found something here. So I open it up, and sure enough, it's got two uh, of those plastic VHS uh, sort of uh, boxes in them. And I thought that we were going to open them up and, and see what we found. But open them up, 
and out falls cash, just $20 bills and $100 bills. And we count them all up, and I end up finding about $7,000 worth of cash in the attic of this house that I bought. Wait, in two VHS puff packs? Yes. It was uh, an old horror guy and probably didn't trust banks, rightfully so, and just kept uh, a wad of cash in VHS cassette uh, boxes you know what's funny you know, you know what's funny no uh it's the fact it's the fact that whoever this guy was he had two things in his life that he wanted to make sure nobody touched and it was <laughs> it, it was his cash and his porn and <laughs> that is uh hilarious that is hilarious to me wow Wow, man. So, cool. Yep, just wanted to call in. I know probably there's a lot of people. I uh, just wanted to share that with you. No, I, listen, I know that you were a little self-conscious with sharing with so many other great callers, but uh, you're you're right up there, man. That's uh, Thank you for that one. Thank you. No problem. Have All a good night. All right, take care. Wow. Leave me my cash and my antique porn. You can take the rest. <laughs> oh, jeez. Jeez Louise, 914-200-0269. That goes right into what we're going to be talking about. Maybe I'll just save the Gen Z story for the 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 other half of the we'll just do, we're going to take calls to the top of the hour. We're going to save the Gen Z story for after intermission since we have the whole hour now. And I really want you guys and gals to follow us over and listen to this this story because it's going to pose more questions about um the culture about how it's changing and about how it's already changed to where we are right now. So especially some of you old timers, I want you to to, to call in, but um, especially if you're Gen Z, if you're Gen Z, I want to hear from you. So please follow us over after the intermission to pill.net or quite frankly.tv. Both links are provided to you all over the place. Just it's two clicks and the show is playing. You can actually click over right now, and the transition will be harmless. All right, let's take another call. 937, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Frank. Who's this? I called and talked to you. This is Dave, man. Hey, it was Dave, what's going on? I called and talked to you and Dr. Taylor on Halloween night about a lady that I experienced in a house. That's right, yes. Well, I wanted to call and tell you about another kind of fun story that I experienced. I was doing a clean-out job for a friend, and he was paying me $700 to clean the house out. We filled up three dumpsters in three days. Well, in the basement of the house, I found a cache of vintage Superman comics. Whoa. And I knew what I was looking at when I started finding all these comic books, but he also, the man that died... And uh, he had he had every like newspaper all the way back from like Kennedy getting shot, like World War Two up to around nine eleven. So, so and it looked like this guy was spying on the government himself because I found a whole drawer of like the old Garmin GPS and just uh, survival gear, and he looked like he would sell the comics and drive around and do his thing, you know? So when you say old Superman comics, are you talking 1930s, 1940s, like action comics? Yes. I, a friend of mine that sells toy trains at toy shows helped me put it all together and price them, and I was selling these comic books for 
two and three hundred a piece. I had a flash comic that would have been sold for sixty five thousand, but it had a mold spot on the cover. So I sold just that one comic for six hundred and fifty dollars. Well, because you know, I know, I, I remember seeing this back in it was like a year or two ago that the first Superman comic, the action comic from from 1938, it had sold in an auction. I think it was in mint condition too. It had sold in an auction for just under four million dollars. So well, the ones the ones that I found were probably from the 40s, late oh, 40s, wow. on up. Those, those they, are, weren't, they weren't that old, but I was selling them at the toy show here locally, and it happened right around COVID, too, so it really helped me financially at the time because, you know, everybody was losing work and stuff, and uh, I was selling them for, like, $300 a piece that day, and I had a Flash comic that sold I sold that one for $650. So, wait a second. So, he, so uh, I, re, re, remind me again. Did he... Were you given permission to sell the stuff? Like, it, well, there's my no... friend told me anything that I found inside the house when I went to clean it out for him said I could keep anything I found. I found guns in there, uh, all kinds of stuff. Wow. And he just said, if there's anything I wanted to keep, to keep. And then so I ended up making about $3,000 in one day just off those comics. That's right. And then also there was a whole collection of political buttons, which I sold that whole collection for 700 separately. Dude, I discount. Hey, listen, man, this counts as treasure. That is a treasure it, found. It was a once in a lifetime thing, man. I could, I knew what I was looking at because I had seen it on Antiques Roadshow before. So my friend, I just happened to have a friend that was in that line of business, travels the country selling toy trains, and he helped me uh, price them and everything. And so when you was, when you go and you you uh, you take home your haul, and you. You know, in one day you are presenting the comics that you have, you're presenting this and that, and you come home and you say, wow, I made $3,000. What did you eat that night? <laughs> I just ordered one of my favorite local pizzas, Casano's Pizza here in Dayton. Okay, okay. Cause I, I, really, I, used, I really, I used the... Uh, money to pay off my child support for my daughter <laughs> hey that's it's it's uh it's a godsend and pay some bills and my mom actually had a beatles sweatshirt that she got at the beatles concert when she was 10 years old that she sold that day for a hundred dollars oh wow original beatles merch huh and the, the political buttons wouldn't pass as a toy but the comics those are definitely a toy for the toy show so but I just happened to find a dealer that bought that collection of political buttons off of me for $700 before the toy show even started. Well, this is a, uh, a fantastic call. Thank you again for the, for this, and uh, and I hope you I hope you have a good one. You too, man. Thank right. you. A great contribution. Um, it is it that's most certainly a treasure found. And I totally get, hey, I'm going to get even with uh, my child support. I'm going to pay my bills and all that stuff. But you got to set aside $100 and get yourself a nice steak. I thought, I, I mean, if I can't, if a windfall like that, where it's just an unexpected gift comes from nowhere, the first thing I think about is, okay, 99% of this is going to be put towards something very constructive. Even if that is just savings. But you've got to go and have yourself a steak. 
You got to, you know, but even, even, you know, hats off, hats off. All he was fine with a pizza. And now, honestly, that sounds great right now. I can take a whole pizza to the house. I will eat, I will stand over the sink and eat an entire pizza like a rat tonight if I had the chance. Okay, let's see. Let's take another call. Uh, 541, you're on the air. Go ahead. It's your brother, Zoso. How are you doing, oh, man? You are a man who deals in treasure. Uh, you were on this uh, You're on this show t- talking about tre- rel- treasured relics from old television shows and all that. I can only imagine what you're coming with right now. Uh, well, this is this is a crazy one, Frank. But loving this topic, loving this topic. So, years ago during the Obama Obama administration, my company was tasked with doing a remodel on the local um, VA hospital. And, you know, some of those vets back in the days they really weren't getting the best care and you know, they come and they go and sad, kind of a sad story. So we get into these, this wing and they say, we want this whole thing gutted. So I, they give me this one room and every, every guy took a room. We stripped it to the bare walls and I get in this back closet. I start in there and I notice there's a little tiny hole at the top of the wall above the doorway. So I take my sledgehammer up bust a freaking deal a hole in it, start ripping the drywall off the hole. And in the bottom of the cavity between the two studs, that where that little hole was up high, someone, who knows who, over the years, stuck $1 bills in it over and over and over again. So I get to the bottom, dude, there's a pile of cash all over the freaking, I mean, there was like 800 and some odd bucks, all in singles. Wow. All in single. So, I mean, my first inclination is, well, who the hell's going to know? You know? Right. I mean, I could have I could have pocketed it if I was a lesser individual. But, uh, I mean, the truth is, it could be any of the room's occupants from the last 40, 50 years since the last thing, the last time it was remodeled. And who knows? I mean, who honestly knows what old veteran decided that was a safekeeping place for his dollar bill. <laughs> and, and so it was just pretty much filling in the entire wall cavity. It, it just, uh, that was his secret hiding spot, and every time he had some spare cash, I guess he stuck it. There was a couple of fives, but mostly all singles. And uh, well, look, we found a brown bag, we put all the money in a bag, and then we turned it into the VA and just said, look, you know, do you know who the last guy was and who lived here? And, oh, we'll have to check our, I mean, I'm sure that money just disappeared. I'm, you know, but all I can say is we did the right thing. You know? Yes, but, you, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Because you know what? <laughs> you, you you go and turn that in, and you never know. Sometimes they may say, you know what? Uh, finders keepers. We don't know how to help you out right here. And then you then you go out and you get yourself your steak. But here, but had, had, <laughs> but, but had they done that, I would I would have split it with them. But uh, hey, you know what? It, it all comes around. Good karma comes back around. Too. I got two questions for you. Uh, number one sure. is, because they were being kept just on the inside of a wall, number one, what condition were the bills in? And number two, did you notice what series of print they were? Like, are, were these antiquated bills that you saw, they were, they were from like decades before? Did, did you take a look at the actual, the, the dates on the bills and what condition were we, they in? We, we looked at a few of them. I mean, a lot of them were like rolled up, you know, in a, in a little 
cylinder, you know, so that he could stick him in this hole, mm-hmm. you know, because you couldn't, you couldn't just, it wasn't a big enough hole to just, you know, stick a, like in an ATM where you lay the money flat and stick it in there. It was just a, t- a teeny tiny, like a hole about the size of a quarter. But, uh, so the guy rolled them up into a little cylinder and poked him in there and, uh, Lord knows, Lord knows what he was thinking. You know, he probably, the poor guy wasn't probably in his right mind because uh, there's no way to get him out of there. You know, I mean, what was he? It was not like a piggy bank, you know? I know. <laughs> it was crazy. Eventually, eventually, crazy. I, I mean, well, that's the other thing. The guy must have died. He had to have died. No, absolutely he did. And you know, like I say, there could have been three, four, five, six other tenants after him. Who knows? Who knows who put them in there? Right. You know, truth is, in hindsight, I probably should have just pocketed the thing. But uh, who gets? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I know. But you, but you know what? You have you have a conscience, and you did the right thing. But you're right. Hey. Thanks a lot for the call, my friend. <laughs> Interesting, man. I'm loving this show. I'm, have me, a good one. Me too. It's only going to get better. Um, that is, see, if you have time to think about it, and I'm sure that they did. I'm sure that Zoso did. But that's one of the things you gotta uh, you gotta really think about. If the person who was stockpiling that cash didn't die, why the hell would they abandon? They knew that there was a wall full of cash in there. Okay, they knew there was a wall full of cash in there. So you can't leave. You can't just willfully leave unless, of course, you like get dementia or something. You start, you lose, you lose your memory that it's ever there, and then I mean, there is that. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's really interesting stuff. Eight hundred some odd dollars. I'd love to see the condition of those bills. Old, old American money is really, really. Um, I I love the old five dollar bills. What was your favorite old bill? The old five dollar bills were awesome. They were worth a lot more back then, too. But whenever I got a $5 bill from, like, a, my grandfather or somebody else, I loved the way that the old 5 was was written. Um, the 10 was pretty cool, too. The 20 was right. But 5s and 100s and 50s, for that matter. 50s and 100s, they were, like, seeing those in person were almost breathtaking as a child. I don't know. I love it. When, when they start going to the Monopoly money with the big print and all that stuff around 2000. I don't know, 1999, what was it, 2000 or so when they started with the big prints? My favorite was the uh, the five. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have more to do. We're going to jump into why, why uh, Gen Z is so prude. That's not going to take much time, 15 or 15 minutes or so. We'll read through, through some things. We'll crack some jokes, and then we're going to throw the... the, the uh, the line's open again. There's so many more people calling in. I want to hear from you about this. All of these topics are still going to be on the table. So come ahead and join us over on pilled.net. That link is in the description below. I have included it. It's just beyond the description of the episode on YouTube and on Rumble and on, um, I think that's, I think, think that's really it is. Everything else is has been tweeted out there. And if you can't find the Pilled link, just go to quitefrankly.tv and press play. And we'll, we'll already be going there. A um, lot more coming up in the second hour because we've just, we've just pretty much added on a whole second hour of the show. And in the second half of the, sh- of the night, when I get home, I will be uploading the full uninterrupted stream to 
Rumble and to BitChute and to Rockfin and all across podcasts. But like I say, time and time again, there's nothing like live and it's two clicks. Join us. It's not 10 miles. It's two clicks. Would love to have you over there. No paywall, no strings attached, no holes barred and a whole lot of fun. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere except over there. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 How dare you? Okay. We're back. We're back. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say it's the holidays now, and I just want to remind you that on uh, on quitefrankly.tv, if you go to the sponsor us page, at the bottom of the page, well, toward the, the bottom of the page, on the page is the P.O. box for Quite Frankly. And as always, you are always encouraged to send over uh, your your Christmas cards and any other gifts or anything like that. It's, uh, it's really great. It, bigger things, I usually, I try to do unboxings, um, but honestly, we have our Christmas card. We just got printed out. About 100 of them are coming in, me, Lauren, and Aurora. So uh, we are ready to start sending our cards back, and we love all of your, your wishes of goodwill and your contribution. Many of you like to contribute uh, outside of... Um, outside of all electronic means and it's always so wonderful to get your to hear from you to see your families to get your support over this time of year and we are ready locked and loaded i think we took a pretty good picture this year there was years in the past that lauren had a photoshop uh i think me 
what that what was the photoshop she had to, lauren had to switch somebody out uh, was it aurora because she was crying no, i don't know what the hell it was it was funny though oh it was me it was me i liked i didn't like the way my my face looked in one picture but i liked the way that lauren and aurora looked i said like, can you please just take me from over here and put me over there and lauren knows photoshop so <laughs> this year everybody is exactly where they were when the picture was taken i promise you that so that is all on the sponsor us page and i would also like to say that everything else there um especially on us uh, on subscribe star we still have plenty of openings for Polaroids, for pen pals. We got new pen pals. I would love to have a couple of new pen pals come on for the end of the year. That would be great. Become a sponsor. It, it makes a world of difference. And it's, um, it's the only reason why we are really starting to, um, to stabilize and grow. That and we have a wonderful situation. I want to thank, uh, again, everybody, all my friends at pilled.net for giving us an opportunity to partner with them for however the hell long it is, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm really having a good time and we are about, to, we, we started an internship program, okay? Not only do we have a video editing director now and we're able to start really getting some more uh, money into production, uh, we have a video editing director now who has now two interns coming in. My buddy, Mike May, he is a, He's a film and uh, an audiovisual teacher in a local technical school. And I say, hey man, uh, I need interns. He said, I, I got them, you want them? I said, yeah. So I went and I actually got a template of a intern, uh, an intern um, contract template and I customized it for what we're going to do with, uh, you know, with reels and shorts and aspect ratios and highlights and all that stuff. And now we got a, a video director with two interns working under him. And we got so many other things I'm working on, um, getting into place. Uh, it feels really good. It, it feels really good. And your sponsorships are the, are the main reason why we've been able to even get this far. So thank you. And, and, um, you're infinitely important. Thank you. All right. Let's see. Let's go into the uh, super chats, and then we're going to get on to a couple other things. Stostube, thank you so much for your tip. And your tips, your super chats, that is sponsorship uh, the, a la carte. It doesn't, doesn't matter if it's monthly or whatever. Just thank you for everything, ladies and gentlemen. Jay Britt says, too many of the masses are not going to fall for a pandemic again, so they are trying to rely on terrorism. FFs to keep the voters home cowering and not voting all to keep Trump out well, well it that's definitely the, the, I mean there's there's big global transitions at stake here so there is that there is the final erasure of America there is that but yes Donald Trump's political viability is 2024 and that's it that it's over so they will expend anything any ammunition that they have in the next couple in the next couple of months you know it's less than 12 months in the next few months to make sure that that is all behind them and everybody that comes up is 100% controlled and 100% easily influenced aside from you know what's what's the ratio with Trump i it, it's it's a it's always been the chaos factor that I, I roll the dice with because ultimately the biggest work, the most influential work is going to be done by us at the local level. 
So I say, go ahead, Mr. Trump, be a monkey wrench in any way, shape, or form. Slow the drag down. Give us some wind resistance on the way down to Earth as we're as we hit the surface. So yeah, they want his political career to be over and done with and in the rear view completely. Uh, over on, let me see here. Over on Rumble. I mean, Rumble, we have a few Rumble rants here. 925 Wild G says, without fascist loving troops, fascists get hung with piano wires. So of course, troops who don't love fascists are designated as extremists. That is a good way of saying it. Katie Sky says, if there is only one or two stockings, the toes should face inward uh, toward the fireplace. If there are more, the toes should face toward the right because, because I don't know. Oh, she's because shrug. Well, I think we were wondering whether or not the direction of the stockings question would reveal some inner political, you know, leanings. If they're all going to go to the right, all going to go to the left. I can, because I can, something's more satisfying, for, for me, something's more satisfying to looking at a, at a fireplace and having all of the toes point to the left. I'm not a leftist, but there's something more satisfying about that to me. I'm not offended if they point to the right, especially if whatever the design on the stocking has, uh, you know, it on the right side has to be on display. But it's going to be interesting to see what people say as time goes on. Katie also says, oh, this is a two-parter. I really dislike the fact that softcore is injected into almost every new show or movie. That's talking about porn. Just on my own accord, but also because it makes it tough to watch movies and shows with family. Yes. Yes. And now it's like the new actress that does the best and most sex scenes gets the next Marvel lead. Sexy time has its time and place, but not every time and place. I'm glad you bring that up, Katie. I really am. Because we're going to do that right now. <clears throat> and and I, I, I 100%, 100% agree with you. There's nothing more awkward. Nothing more awkward than having, sitting there with other people, you know, you're with your, your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, you know, sex, and maybe, maybe it'll even, you know, spark the mood a little bit. But um, for the most part, you're sitting around and everybody gets very quiet. Nobody really wants to move. Well, if you do shuffle around or move, everybody thinks that you're doing that to try to act natural. It's fucking, it sucks. It really does. It sucks. Now, if I'm sitting around, I'm watching a sex scene by myself, then it's just, okay, it comes and goes, and at least I'm just um, I'm, I'm just in the room, and there's n nobody there to, to say anything. But it's just, what are you going to do? The viewing experience is going to be one. It's just weird. Now, here's the, the story in question. This was a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, I get this. It was from... Wait a second. I had the study up. Where the hell is it? Hold on a second. I, I know it's here somewhere. Gen Z wants it. Here it is. It was from NPR. I saw this covered by a few other places a, a little while ago. This has been October 25th of this year. Here you go. Chloe Veltman. 
cover this for NPR, but I saw other people covering it too. Looking for nomance. Study finds teens want less sex in their TV and movies. Listen to this one paragraph. More than half of the 1,500 people, young people who participated in the University of California, Los Angeles, Center for Scholars and Storytellers, Teens and Screens survey, they said that they want to see more content focused on friendships. More than half of 1,500 young people at UCLA. Nearly 40% say that they are, they, in particular, they want to see more non-romantic relationships or asexual characters on screen. The majority of respondents said that they felt that romance in media is overused. The study in its entirety included a youth aged 10 to 24, but questions relating specifically to sex romance on screen were only asked of a subset of age 13 to 24. Okay. And... I said, oh, really? Interesting. And that is when the wailing started. That is when old pervy freaks in cultural, uh, you know, cultural commentary entertainment media started getting really bent out of shape that Gen Z was looking to be a little bit more prude than they are. Serious. Now, here's the latest of them. That's why I grabbed this today. And I said, oh, we got to talk about it because I was almost going to talk about this back in the end of October. When that study came out, there were other people that got really upset, too. Here's one from Ulrika Johnson. Headline from The Sun. Gen Z might moan, but we need more nudity on television. Otherwise, violence will become more normal than sex. You see, she does so many crazy things in this article, but this is the craziest thing. It's in the headline. Teens are not saying they want to see more death over sex. They're saying they want more wholesome content that is based on friendships. But these people who are addicts and they're groomers, they are, they, I mean, some of them have gotten pretty publicly shaken that uh, that younger generations are not choosing what they need more of, apparently. Uh, listen to listen to a little bit of this because there's um, there's a lot on my mind when when I uh, when I got this all all done. All right, so hold on a second, I got it up. Okay, here you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a lot about the modern world that turns me off, and now it seems that there's even less to turn me on. You see? You see where, where it comes from with these people? That's right. Sex on screen is waning, slacking, and drooping. It's gone a bit flaccid. What on earth is the world coming to? Now, they talk about nearly half of them. Well, it's actually more than half that were surveyed. Now, I know it's just a sample. So when you extrapolate that out, who knows how big it really is. But Gen Z, listen to this. Hold on a second. Instead, a recent study at UCLA surveyed 1,500 people aged up to 24, and astonishingly, they said that they want to see less sex on screen. Instead, what they're after are more stories of platonic relationships. This, this lot doesn't even want romance. Now, what are you talking about? Now, it... it it's not that they don't want romance, if you ask me. It'd be nice just to see something new. Now, are you telling me that they don't want... I don't know, it's really about romance? That's the whole point here. Is it really about romance? 
Are they repulsed by Casablanca? You think that, that that's, that's the problem here? Or is it just a little bit too much how every starlit clone that walks into frame is undoubtedly going to be taking turns with every last one of her coworkers? I'll, I'll, put it to you this, I'll put it to you this way. Here's a question. Why don't we get at least one bowel movement scene in every HBO episode or feature on the big screen? Why don't we ever get a bowel movement scene? Why don't we get those? There is nothing unnatural or wrong about going to the restroom and taking a massive dump, is there? I'm being serious. You think I'm being funny? Just a little bit, but it's very serious. Why does every female lead need to simulate an orgasm for the camera, but we never get to see any of them sitting on the toilet pinching a loaf? Why not? I want to see the strain on their faces as they're pushing out a massive shit. Why don't we see that? Doesn't that fully, fully color in the day-to-day -day life of human being? Oh, sex is very natural. It's part of a little, come on. Why, why don't we see that then? I don't know. I love, and they go into here, they go into to more of this. Nearly half of them say that romance is overused. Hold on. I'm trying to get to make sure that I'm, I'm on, I'm on course over here. Um, nearly half of them get to say that, 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 that it's overused romance and that the same number believe sex is not necessary for the plot. Tell that to the makers of 50 shades says, what's her name? Erlika. Tell that to what? To the to 50 shades. You're talking about bullshit. Uh, that, that is third rate erotica for wine moms. It is so badly written. I remember when that book came out, we went and we got a PDF of it just so that we can read excerpts of, of it on Zadal's in New York back in like 2008 or nine or two. I forget where the hell it was. So bad. Tell them that it's not necessary for the plot. Okay, then go read erotica somewhere. We're talking about everything. That somebody doesn't have to even make some kind of a declaration about their sexuality. There's always sexual declarations being made if we even if we're not seeing them scissor each other. It's just incredible. Now, it's not the first time I'm reading an article that's expressing so much concern about younger generations not really taking to gratuitous graphic sex injected into everything. And these Hollywood writers, they are at the point where they're essentially just mocking young generations for being prude and lame because they don't want to watch people give each other rim jobs to advance a movie plot. It, it, there's a little bit more in here. Hold on, I had another highlight. Chris, oh, and then they start going after people who, who have had some kind of religious conversions in their life. Chris Pratt, who for the record was a stripper once, now says that after finding religion, he has changed his ways and won't do nudity or sex scenes anymore. I guess you can't argue with God. See? You see what this is all about? It's addict behavior. It's addict behavior. And I'll, I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about there. Now, Fifty Shades, poorly written erotica. But what is this? They want everybody to be open about sex. The point is sex scenes are not inherently negative. They don't have to damage the viewer or actors. Yeah, okay, well, you're talking about on-screen uh, or or maybe on-set abuses or anything like that. Then, oh, well, that's that's a legal issue. If there's abuse going on, whatever. But anybody who is 
I know I have very devoutly religious people in my life who, are, you know, they'll watch with their spouses things like Game of Thrones or anything else where there is gratuitous violence, nudity, and sex scenes. And they watch it and they're able to filter things out and not melt down when they are they come in contact with it so they can actually watch a piece of, you know, you know, a a piece of film or something like that and be able to judge it for its overall merits. We're talking about, again, we're talking about younger audiences and what they're saying that they they, they don't want to see. If we take sex scenes out of films, if we remove nudity, we are basically telling the next generation that intimacy doesn't exist. You see how absurd this is? Is that really what we're saying? Intimacy doesn't exist? Or worse still, that it shouldn't be seen, that it should be kept hush-hush. That can't be right. Surely we want to see the bodies of all different shapes and sizes and ages, don't we? No, not really. Not really. Sometimes it's appropriate. Seriously, sometimes it's appropriate. I have no problem with nudity on screen. None whatsoever. But it's just different. It, there's different. He said, and finally over here, what I can't get my head around is people increasing objection to sex scenes while they're all too happy to sit through films saturated in violence. Uh, where's the, where is the, the, the survey on that? Or are you just making this, making this up out of your sex addicted brain? Some people are quite happy for their kids and teens to watch people having their heads blown off, but a glimpse of stocking is looking on as something shocking. No, I don't know anybody who's happy that their teens are watching people's heads being blown off. Uh, will more readily accept guns, shootings, knives, explosions than we are willing to accept two people enjoying a bit of hanky-panky. Is it porn or are you telling a story? I, I just don't get it. There's so many ways to show that two characters are coming together in a really strong attraction for each other, romance, they fall in love, they get married, uh, they end up having children. I guess like, we could all imagine what happened between the two characters if they had kids, right? How do you hide from what sex is? This? But this is all, of course, recreational too. You know, I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Again, I, I, ask, I ask the question, uh, what parents should be okay with is gratuitous sex and violence, but why not a bowel movement? That's my question. Why not a bowel movement? You know, most people don't have sex every day. I don't, but uh, they definitely use the toilet every day. I, if I don't see Emma Stone struggling with constipation in her next movie, I'm going to write a scathing article for The Sun and, and cause some kind of a ruckus here. That's what I'm going to do. So she says, what I can't get my head around is people increasing objection to sex scenes. Stay focused here, lady. Stay focused, you creep. Generation Z's parents are watching. They're watching the rusty trombone scenes that you love so much. They're watching it, okay? We're talking about the current crop of high schoolers who are looking for content that, for some reason, you find disturbingly mellow. Why is that? Now, most adults can handle it. But for some reason, people like Ulrika over here, or whatever her name is, Ulrika, 
she really wants kids, which is what a teenager is, to want to see more sex. Now, the problem for Urlika is that the younger generation, they're making decisions on their own that make her feel uncomfortable because in some way, it is probably making her feel like she is being judged for wanting what she wants as much as she needs it. You know, drunks love when everybody around them is drunk because then they feel less inclined to analyze their own behavior and their own issues. That's just the way it is. Now, I haven't seen anyone dive deeply enough into the into this story from a clinical sense on the other hand. Uh, but if it were to, if I were to make a judgment call, we, we saw the, the survey as, as to why, what kids want to see a little bit more of these days than before. But if I were to make a judgment call, given how these kids are smothered by sexuality and identity politics in and out of school all over the place, this could just be a conscious or unconscious way of wanting to reclaim just a little bit of innocence of childhood that the dominant culture seems to be determined to snuff out of everybody as early as possible. In fact, I would say that this theory would be supported by the current state of comedy too. We've had that, that talk many times with Chrissy Mayer, uh, with Mike Baldwin, with a few other people. When you exaggerate something to the point it becomes a caricature, you can create comedy out of it. You can create parody out of that absurdity. But when the parody becomes the mundane reality, then suddenly cold truth starts to provide that release for, for the audience. From there, it's really just a matter of what your delivery of that cold truth is, and you'll get different varying reactions and varying levels of success. But that's the very same way I'm seeing this when you when your environment is saturated by nonstop psychobabble about sex and sexuality, then it really is just uh, it's really crazy when the demand for depictions of wholesome platonic relationships becomes popular. Or, or I should say, is it really crazy? I don't think so. I see that as a, um, I see it as pretty logical. Now, I'll put it to you this way. I would love to hear some some Gen Z people out there. If you're in Generation Z and 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 this kind of speaks to you, I'd love to hear from you. In fact, I'm going to open up a special line for you just so that we can filter out everybody else and and you can get through a little bit quicker if you are a member of gen z i would like you to call the special hotline and that is 914-369-1236 okay it's not the inside information hotline tonight it's the gen z hotline you can call 914-369-1236 it is a line dedicated to you anybody who calls up who is older than Gen Z, you're going to be kicked right the fuck off. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, this brings up something else for me. Before we open up the lines, we start talking about this and treasure hunting and everything else again. Two Fridays ago, two Fridays ago, I got home from the studio and I was sitting around with Lauren. We were just on the couch and, and hanging out. And... We were watching the weekend roundup that was live on quite frankly.tv. So we're just, we cast it to the television. We're sitting there watching QFTV and we're just winding down. And it was, I think Cody or Abe put up an hour long compilation of highlights from television in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s 
where they were game shows, uh, but they're like bloopers. Game show bloopers, really candid moments, moments that got pretty raunchy at times. And we're talking especially with word association games. You have these little old ladies with shockingly sexual responses. And this is 1960s, mind you. So whereas there is some kind of a counterculture movement that is going on uh, it, it, among the, the young people in schools all over the place, you're still dealing with people who are showing up, they're older, and they're coming from the three previous generations. You know, the greatest generations, not, not even, you know, way older than boomers. But still, despite that, we're looking at all these glimpses into the past on television. We're seeing these cheeky, sometimes Freudian sexual innuendos. That was only a fraction of the whole story that Lauren and I were observing. We were really enjoying watching how um, people were just generally so much more loose, you know, loose in the way that they communicated and they joked with each other because there was no threat of being hounded by one crazy special interest group or another, these ravenous groups of Marxists and the human resources Marxists that want to just ruin everybody's lives for saying something that's off color, offbeat. So Lauren looks to me and says, you know, for as liberal as we are these days, we really are prude as hell. We really are very, very prude. And it was such a great point because it, it's come on the show, come up, on, come up on the show before that we're not a liberal society. We're a libertine society. That is a society that has really much a disregard of morality, especially in a sexual sense. And that's what we are. We're libertine. We're not liberal. And it, it, we're reminded of it every day. This article is a reminder of that. I wonder what kind of thoughts, I wonder what kind of thoughts on society this article or the, the, the author of this article for The Sun really has on things outside of the fact that she wants to see gratuitous amounts of sex and nudity everywhere. I wonder what her thoughts on hate speech are. That kind of, that quagmire of bullshit. So we can push depictions of sex to unthinkable levels across all media, but you can't really say anything of substance outside of that. That's really what we were, we were, we were talking about. It, it was a, it was something to behold. So I asked the general question to the general audience now. Um, do people, did people know how great they had it back in the day? Or are these some of the things that you realize in retrospect when you tune into, you know, old highlights and clips of television and years gone by and whatever we have on quitefrankly.tv? Did you all know how good you had it back then? You let us know. And for the younger, if there are any Gen Z out there that's watching here in the second half, call up the hotline 914-369-1236, especially if you can corroborate anything that the UCLA study has said. Um, all right, that's what I have for you over here. Let's take some calls now. We're just going to throw open the lines. 914-200-0269 and, um, and see what you guys have. Any, any thoughts on anything tonight? Let's do it. Taking a call. This should be good. Hello, you're on the air. Hi, hey, wait. Sorry, guys, I'm not telling you to wait. All right. Hey, so, yeah, I uh, died, and I was a uh, boomerish, right? And then what's the next one, X? I don't know what the fuck I am now, right? 
But I'm just me, John. Wait, 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 John. Wait, John. Did you just say that I just died? No, I did. Uh, you know, because uh, I had a thing. You know what I mean? But I was one, right? But then I was reborn later on, right? 31 years old. Everybody said I was going to die at 30. I didn't die till 31, right? Broke my neck and died. I was down and out for, you know, a couple of day burnments. Uh, I mean, a few minutes, whatever. Okay, so John, I had, uh, John, Halo on my John, head, the C5, C6 hold, thing, bullshit, everything, right? Wait, John. You know what I mean? John. So when you were 31, well, listen, John. So I'm not John. sure of my uh, generation. John, you hear me? Yes, I'm hearing you. So when you were 31 years old, you di- you were clinically dead for a few minutes? Yes, no question. Broke my neck and died. C5, C6, uh, spinal... Uh, flexation, dislocated, fracture, uh, whatever. Shut back. Cross my positive, negative, and shut off. Oh, oh wait. So, so you electrocuted yourself? No. The, when it happens, your body has got positive, negative in it. If you shift your C5, C6, I had a... You broke your neck. You remember Superman? You remember Superman, C5, C6? He was, he was just in a chair forever. So, okay. I came back from that, but mine wasn't as bad as his because I didn't cut mine. Mine was a dislocated fracture, not a cut thing. Okay. Yeah, if you. C5, C6. Okay. Uh, they uh, put an iliac crash fusion. They took a chunk of my hip out and put it in my head and, and sewed it all up and made me good again. Right? Wow. So, but I was clinically fucking crapped out for a while, drowned, everything. I don't know. You know about all this about me. And imagine that. I still married a rocket scientist. <laughs> you still married a rocket scientist. I love you. How's my buddy Tony, uh, Tony Black doing? Oh, oh, you know what? Tony Tony Black is doing great, John. Thank you for asking. Is that, is that all you want to tell us? No, no. There was more to it. Well, you can. Li- you were saying uh, what generation you are. If you die and you come back, even if you're born, are you the old one, right? I'm right on the border of. Uh, I don't even know what the fuck the numbers of letters are, right? I'm like a boomer, but not really. But I'm like so close to the boomers. I'm a boomer. All right, right? wait here, John. Or the John. Beginning of Gen X or something. Wait, John. John. And you're talking about Z. When does Z happen? Is there a Y before Z? How come Z already happens after B? We're, it doesn't make sense. We are we're we're at Gen Z now, and then we go back to Alpha. Let me ask you: When when did you when did when did you uh, break your neck? When when did you die? Thirty-one years no, ago. No. I'm thirty-eight, so you gotta do some math and stuff. Uh, it was like ninety something before nine eleven, I think. It's, it's the 1990s? Or just after nine eleven. Nineteen ninety. Right around there. I can't do math right now. I okay. got a couple in me. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, thank you for the call, John. It's so good to hear from you. It really is. And I hope you enjoy the the rest of your evening. I was telling Lauren the other night, we were listening to an old, old. Uh, I, I had just put on some old Coast to Coast. I have a, a talk stream radio. Whenever I got nothing going on, we just want to listen to something. We just listen to old Coast to Coast. And this guy called in. I think he was talking to George Norrie or somebody. It, I don't think it was Art uh, that was hosting that night but somebody had called in and he wanted to say something and the pace was mm, mm. you hear the lip smacking some guy calling in a national radio show taking his sweet time has the whole nation sitting down 
Let me tell you a story. Mm. It was the most uninteresting, lip-smacking fucking story in my life. And I'm sitting here 35 years later, whenever the hell this broadcast was, was being replayed, I'm sitting there with Lauren, and I'm going, oh my gosh, do something about this call. Now, I know what you guys and gals do at home sometimes when we have memorable calls. I know. And I have to be very, very calm and collected and polite up here. And I have to do my best as a host. And I said, I said to her, as we're sitting there listening to this call come in, this, this painstaking call coming in, I said, you know, this is a bad call. Now, I'll tell you, it's a bad call, and it's hard to get control of a, of a call like that because it's going so slow. But I'll tell you one call that I'll take anytime whenever he does get through, and that's, that's John from, from Connecticut. You know why? Because it's, not a, it's never a bad call, ever. It's almost like you're getting caught in a, in, a, in a whirlwind. Like the wind, like a dust devil comes down and starts, all of a sudden there's just dust and, and leaves all around you. You're like, whoa! And you're trying to catch your breath, but you, you like swallow some sand and you're like, geez. And as soon as it comes, it goes. And I said, sometimes I don't know what he's talking about, but it's, it's still a kind of, it's, a, it's almost, it's an exciting experience, <laughs> you know? It's an exciting experience still. Um, and that's, and that, that just made me think about that because he called in and um, I, I guess he's, he's commenting on generations. And if he says that he, it, technically he died, he was, when he came back from the dead in the 1990s, if he was, if he arrived on this earth again, in the 1990s, and he's saying then that is now his new life going forward. Some would say, no, that doesn't count. It's a continuation of the old life. You still have your old body. But if he's saying new life going forward, if he's born in the 1990s, then he's, he's technically a millennial. He's, he's technically a millennial. I'm on that cusp. I, I'm like early into the millennial. Because uh, Generation X was the, well, it was the late, late 70s, early 80s, right? So I'm, I just kick off the millennial thing, I think. Anyway, I hope you all, um, I hope you all are having a good time. That's, that's really what I'm coming down to here. 914-200-0269. Let's take a call. You're on 269. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Frank? I'm doing great. So, uh, to the last call, that John guy... Yes. Right? Yes. Hello? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. I didn't know if I lost you. Um, he was saying he's not sure who he is. Like, see, I'm born in the 1900s. I'm a 1980s creation. And everybody wants to try and tie people into, you know, that were born in the 80s into the millennial generation and that that's just fucking retarded because 1980 is the tail end of generation x tail end okay but then you get all these you get all these uh millennials out there that they're like no you're you're not generation x you're millennial the fuck i am dude look it up it goes to 1980 1980 is the last threshold that means my retarded little sister that was born in 82 She's a millennial, which explains a lot with her. 
Yeah, was, and and could, I'm I'm with the guy though. I'm with John on that last call. Like, w- yeah, why why to go from X? Where is Generation Y? It goes to Millennial, and then Generation Y goes to Z, and that that sounds like like it's all. I'm sorry, I'm taking a dump right now while I'm on the phone with you. I uh, felt like it was necessary. Yes, no, you're dumping in more than one way. Well, thank you for the that, call. That's a joke, though. I wasn't taking a dump. That no. was a joke. Okay. I felt like no, no, it's okay. <laughs> hey, listen, we and need... The, we... Reason, the reason that there is, you know, a problem, you know, I'm kind of like with you on the fence, you know, or I'm kind of with you on the whole thing with uh, nudity and stuff in movies. It's just not necessary. I mean, sure, that's why they got pornos. You want to watch a movie that has nothing but sex in it, go watch a porno. But, you know, what gets me is they went through a, a phase there where they put, like, almost every new television show, new movie had to have two guys sucking face. And there's nothing more uncomfortable than than that, in my opinion. I'd rather watch a normal softcore sex scene you know, than watching two guys sucking face. And I, if that makes me a homophobic, then sure, I guess. I guess I'm a fucking homophobic. Well, but. well you, you, you bring up a couple of great points there, and thank you for the call. And, now, and a, lot of, a lot of statistics, 70% of statistics, are made up. So where are we at with statistics as far as being reliable? Oh, I, I know. Mean, I know. You know? I know. Like people need to just pull their head out of their ass until it goes pop. And then never put it back up there again. Hopefully, twenty twenty four can bring that for us. Oh, I think but, yeah. I, I think so. I think so because all they have is statistics to try to explain away what the hell we're uh, what we're seeing, and it, it, nothing matches up. It doesn't ring true. And it, I think you're a hundred percent right. Now with Derek there, um, the one thing I will say is that he will have some people saying no. Millennial generation starts nineteen eighty two, eighty three, eighty one. Honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There are more based Gen Zers out there than there. I mean, there are based Gen Z. There are people in Generation Z that are more based than people in Generation X. Every generation has weak member. It's so ridiculous. The only real thing that really changes is fashion. Fashion changes, and we're seeing the culture change because it's not because one person was born after the other. Therefore, they are going to be more lame than the person before them. It's not like the written law of the jungle here. We all get together every night and talk about it. We're talking about social engineering. We're being socially engineered into obsolescence. Every night. That's what the sex programming is all about. That's what it's all about. It's not. It's not enough that there's a. Uh, you know, there's. They, they fight tooth and nail to make sure that there's sexuality injected into everything uh, on television. And then when that becomes normalized, then we're going to start seeing the men and the women kissing each other, the the two guys, the two girls, and then it starts getting into every damn commercial that you see. Come on now, come on with every commercial. I, I, when it comes to, especially when it comes to compiling television families for commercials, the, the, the interracial stuff is incredible. I once saw a commercial with a black father, an, uh, an Asian woman and a white daughter. They say, well, what if they adopted? 
Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess they did, didn't they? You know, it, it's just, and it, it doesn't matter to me or anybody in this audience who really cares about anything that's good in life. If a black man and a white woman, a white man and a black woman, a Puerto Rican woman and an Irish guy, if anybody, if, if, if two people fell in love with each other, they've got pure, uh, mutually respectful love and they, they, they come together in holy matrimony. They, they make a family. They're a good family. They're hardworking, upstand. Who, are, are you, do you object to that? I really don't care about anything like that. But here's the thing. The reason why I don't give a shit about that is because when you look at human preferences, by the way, in-group preferences is the, is the norm for everybody. Okay, the fact that a white guy and a black woman hook up somewhere along the line it doesn't matter to me, it, it, because you look at in the, the real reality is that in group preference is shown by everybody. Black people tend to tend to gravitate toward each other, especially when they're forming families. Same thing for white people. Then you just break it down ethnically: Italians, Irish. I mean, you you just see everybody tends to choose their own when it comes to procreation and creating the new, the the, the new generation. Is there crossover? Sure, there is, but it's not the it's not the the overwhelming uh, majority. It's just nature. Now, in social engineering. When you get the social engineering aspect to it, they uh, you get you you're you're forced to you're forced to take on a fetishized a fetishized version of all this. They want to make it a fetish for people to cross over and to do things and to be. They have fetishized it. It's the same thing with all the feminist pushes there too. I'm sure some women are going to be more naturally uh, attuned. And attracted to masculine sports, to masculine jobs, to, to different uh, places in life. But it's a matter of allowing nature to take p- take place where 99% of women are going to do one thing and 1% are going to do the other. Or trying to socially engineer another 10% out of that 99 and making the, the whatever is left behind feel like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're traitors to their sex or something. That's where this all starts getting fucking crazy. That has nothing to do with generations. It has to do with conditioning. And and that's where the sex conditioning in the movies comes from. It ties into everything we're talking about right now. It's always nurture over nature with these, these central planners. They're trying to nurture something in. And they're trying to nurture nature out. So, um... I don't know. It's just a, uh, it's just crazy. It's just crazy to see. It's especially crazy when you start seeing Redditors, people on Reddit, which is one of the most rabidly leftist out of your mind place on earth. When those threads start popping up during like Super Bowl Sunday and everybody's like, you know what? I've been watching for an entire half now. It's all commercials. I, I think I've seen like one white guy. We're, we're, I, seriously, this is crazy with all the race mixing and these contrived hypothetical families and all like wh- the messaging is insane. And, and and they want you to notice it and they want you to say, okay, that this is ridiculous because they want you to, they, they want to say, oh, well, you're the racist. What do you got a problem with? What do you got a problem with? So, I mean, it's, uh, 
they're always trying to screw with people. They're always trying to screw with people. All right, 914-200-0269. I still have the Generation Z line open in case anybody's watching out there, Generation Z. That is 914-369-1236. But um, just in general, I got to throw this out here. This this just got sent to the, the show by uh, by Katie Sky on the, the Gilded Chat. Take a look at this. Talk about timely article. This is from today. Headline from the Miami Herald. A rare 1,000-year-old coin with depiction of Jesus Christ unearthed by metal detectorist. Approximately 1,000 years ago in Constantinople, the bustling capital of the Byzantine Empire, a small gold coin was minted. Now about a millennia later, the tiny treasure has been unearthed more than 1,600 miles away from its origin, according to a November 30th news release from the Inlet, uh, Inlandet County Municipality. Officials said that the metal detectorist stumbled upon the artifact among the mountains in Vestri Slidre. Vestre Slidre, Norway. This wasn't in Miami. It's just the Miami Herald reporting on it. It's a rare discovery for Norway, and the seemingly out-of-place artifact appears to be in great condition, especially given its age. Photos of the coin show each side's intricate carvings. On one side depicts Jesus Christ holding a Bible, while the other shows Byzantine emperors Basil II and Constantine VII, brothers who ruled together, officials said. Each side also has an inscription. The side showing Jesus has a Latin inscription, which translates to Jesus Christ, King of those who reign. According to experts, the side depicting the emperors has a Greek inscription, which translates to Basil or Basil and Constantine, emperors of the Romans. Experts said that the coin was minted during the Basil or Basil, I'm sorry, and Constantine's reign, likely sometime between 977 A.D. and 1025 A.D., the dotted circles bordering the coin indicate its age. Now, how it got there, I don't know. They go on a little bit uh, about that, but, uh, you know, it's all on the same continent, so it's still possible. As far as how much it's worth, they don't say that either. But uh, I'd have to say that one of those is probably going to be the equivalent of a a sack of coins that you found uh, in the the bottom of the ocean off the coast of Florida. Anywho, we can take some more calls here of uh, yours right now. This turned out to be a really, really great show. I had a good time. I had a couple of good laughs. And we had wonderful calls. We can still take some more right now. 914-200-0269. But I guess in the meantime, I can go to our Super Chats. And we got Rosie Rose who sends a poop emoji. Thank you so much, Rosie. Car Guys New England says, Dumb and Dumber gave us one of the greatest bowel movement scenes in film history. Yes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. Uh, well, one of the other bowel movement scenes... Uh, came from Van Wilder. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. It's so... It's so violent. And the fact that at the end he goes, I think I'm bleeding. Where he doesn't he doesn't even see. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where the hell is it? Hold on. I must have it in here. Oh, yes. 
Yes, this is usually what I use when I, I, I cut over to an example of mainstream media covering a very important story. Here it is. Oh my God! I'm bleeding. Van Wilder's a great, sh- great, great movie. That came out when we were all in high school, and that's what we thought college was going to be like, and maybe some of you had a college like that. I didn't. I still had fun, though. I found my calling there. Okay. <laughs> I'm bleeding. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, let's go over to our gold pills. I want to see what's going on on the wonderful pilled.net. Want to see some gold pills? I want to shout some people out. All right, NJSF, thank you for the cookie. Wart guy, good to have you back. He says, I'm finally making myself at home here. Baked a vegan... A vegan GF cookie? What's a vegan GF cookie? Girlfriend? Thank you, work guy. It's great to have you have here. It's great to have you making yourself at home here. Uh, Jesse, 81138, thank you. Donasar, thank you. Matt1776 is just giving out bronze tier subscriptions. Who's claiming them? Joe Elaine grabs one. Chai Possum grabs one. Man, Boys Blanc or Boy Blanc. Thank you so much. C Blanche's Godspeed. Hello world. Joe M170 says, let's have fun. Indeed. Homegoys there said Arlington explosion has eerie echoes of the December 26, 2020 Nashville explosion. You remember that? That was right. What? That was a, um, where, where was that? I remember that. It was very, that was crazy. You know, the craziest thing is that it seems like it was longer. It was farther down. That was, that was 2020. Man, that was weird in Nashville because there's nobody on the streets. It was the day after Christmas, or at least it was around Christmas. I don't remember, but um, but this was so much more, so much more uh, pronounced. That house is obliterated. We're gonna see whatever the hell's. Oh, gluten free. Oh, gluten free. Lauren just texted me. She said GF is gluten free. Yeah, that makes more sense than a, a vegan girlfriend cookie. Good job, Frank. Siege says the $2 bill is my favorite. I have so many $2 bills, I can't tell you. People send me a lot of $2 bills. And so I give some to Aurora. Aurora plays with a lot of $2 bills. Um, we ha- I give her a couple. Everything else is in her piggy bank. But $2 bills are a lot more common than they used to be. They're printing them again, it seems. I saw some. I saw some really recent... Uh, series prints on those $2 bills. I said, what the hell? That's weird. Thank you, Bacon Slut. Thank you, Paulie9363. This is Bitcoin is up 175% in 2023. Gold, not so much. Well, we know that... Thank you so much for the EMP, by the way, Paulie. That's incredible of you. Thank you. I guess Paulie is big on Bitcoin. That's where the EMP comes from. 
Um, here's the thing for me, as, as you know, because Bitcoin has been hot in the past and we're just always seeming to be waiting for the shoe to drop. I have a little bit because people, as you know, I have three, three wallet keys in the description of this episode. There's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, and there's something else. Because some people, they, they really, they, their life revolves around crypto and they're really making investment in the future on that. So I say, if that's how you want to contribute to the show, I'm going to open up a wallet. And so I have a little bit of each, um, not too much, but I've definitely seen what little I had bump up considerably because of what's going on right now. And a lot of people are predicting economic doom. So I guess that has a lot of people diversifying quickly, but it just makes me so nervous. If I had FU money, maybe I would put a little bit into the casino and see if it would jump up 300% and then cash it out and go put it into something more physical again. But I mean, how many times does it go up and then all of a sudden 60% of it gets wiped out? Wow, you guys have a lot more uh, intestinal fortitude with that than I do. But if you wanna, if you wanna send some chips over, by all means, thank you so much for the EMP, Paulie. Castle Drummer, thank you. Says, great show. Johnny Dangerously is in the chat. Thank you. And then Truth Crew. That's all I have for you tonight. That's all I have. Treasure Hunting. Talks about television. Gen Z. It was good, wasn't it? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well... With all that said, I think that it's a good time to, to bounce off. And any other questions or comments you have, please leave them in the comments below or email the show too. If you're watching this afterwards on YouTube, if you're watching this on Rumble, anywhere, comment. The interaction is incredibly important. And, um, and wherever we are, it, it boosts visibility. So thank you so much. Comment email, become a sponsor of the show, go to quitefrankly.tv, make it a bookmark on your uh, your browser so that you're always one click away and go to the sponsor us page and um, do something. Be a, uh, be a pen pal. Let's start pen paling each other. Or you can grab the P.O. box and send me a Christmas card. Me, Lauren, and Aurora really love that. All right, guys and gals, all the best to you too. Oh, you know what? Wait, wait. We have one more minute i'm gonna give it to this guy hey two dogs you there yeah what's up man you have the last minute and a half i saw you calling in and it's been a while so i want to give it to you yeah all right thanks man just a quick story i went home to my parents house about about 15 years later than or after the last time i'd been there and i went up to the attic and like remember a little treasure chest that i put in the attic mm. and in there i had a whole bunch of wheat pennies and one other thing that I had was a, uh, let's see, a Don Mattingly rookie card. It was gone. Somebody had uh, re-inflated the attic and probably took it. So, yeah. That uh, sucked. So that's it? Somebody else found the uh, treasure. What's that? Oh, so somebody found you. Somebody took your treasure. Yeah, somebody found my treasure. Oh, man. Although that's a that's a shitty end of the story. Yeah. Got me thinking about it, though. The other dude, uh, what, he find the guns or whatever? Oh, yeah. You reminded me of it. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I mean, I guess some treasure gets lost forever, man. Uh, if, you think yeah. that, if you think that what you lost sucks, think about the billions upon billions of dollars that is at the bottom of the ocean in the Caribbean right now. 
You know, oh, no. I mean, can you imagine what happens? What happened back in the day when word finally got back to Europe about one galleon or another sinking somewhere off the coast of Puerto Rico, and that's it? A, a kingdom just loses all that booty in one in one fell swoop. That must have been really, really hard news to take for anybody, no matter if you're a king. So, uh, yeah. Well, thank you for yeah, the. Yeah, well, wasn't personal for them, I guess. No, no. Oh, well, I mean. It still sucks, doesn't it? But no, uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, I'm glad you got through, my friend, and I hope you have a great yeah, man, night. Yeah, me too. All right, take care. You too. There you go. Oh, and one last super chat I got on Rumble over here from Katie. Katie Sky D says, uh, "Did that writer say anything about taking intimacy off of the screen? Would it make it seem like intimacy shouldn't be seen?" Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Th- there's. That's just it. They don't know how to convey intimacy without having two people uh, uh, undulating and thrusting upon each other. They need to they need to see somebody uh, thrusting away on somebody else to 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 show that two characters have come together and 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 want to be with each other or are are in heated throes of passion. It's not enough to just to kiss and to to fall back into a room and you know kissing each other and have the scene go black you know to to lead each other to a bedroom and kiss and then the scene goes black and that's you know what they're doing no we need to see the thrusting or else it's not real well like i said i need to see emma stone cast in a movie where constipation has nothing to do with the plot it needs to be a complete non sequitur too all right it's just that it's part of everyday life that, oh, well, this character, she's on the toilet and she's really bearing down trying to pass a bowel movement. I would love to see that. I, I want to see that a little bit more, a little bit less sex, a little bit more bowel movements. Let's make this really realistic. Anyway, thank you so much for the time tonight. Plenty to clip from this show. Uh, I will talk to you all soon and have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening until tomorrow. Bye bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film of our live studio audience. And now, our super chatter, starting with all of our wonderful Rumble Ranters. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and thank you to everybody on Pilled. And on, quite frankly, superchat.com, we got Rosie Rose, Car Guys New England, Stostube, and Jay Brits. Tomorrow is another day, my friends. Thank you for tonight. Share this with all you know, and I will see you tomorrow night when Ben Davidson is our guest. Goodbye.